So when you think of digital ID, ESG, the introduction of the surveillance state, you look what they're doing in China, the social credit score. Yeah, social. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that, particularly about the smart city, especially because I don't know if, if you want to comment on it, because I know that they've got one here. They're working on the point, 15 minute city. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think what people should really look at is the extent to which the climate conversation has become radicalized. And you have to ask yourself, how far are they willing to go to stop climate change, right? Climate lockdowns. You look at, exactly, you I mean, look at the lockdowns. They've already been talking about, straight out of the World Health Economic Forum, is the next, the climate lockdowns. Yeah. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again with my lovely co-host, Alexia Preston. How we doing, baby? Doing excellent. Yeah, how come? We got a great guest today. We do have a great guest. Yes. They keep getting better. They keep getting better. I think we actually have a treasure for the state of Utah, honestly. Probably the best Utah has. I would say, based on what I've been hearing, probably one of the best treasures in the country. In the country, for sure. And definitely one of the best elected officials that we have in the yeah. state. Yeah, so this is a big show, and uh, I'm excited. We're very excited. We're going to introduce our guest here in just a minute. But uh, everybody's frustrated with what's going on with you know ESG, social credit scores. You see corporations pushing this woke agenda down people's throats, from Bud Light to, I don't know if you've seen the... Uh, North Face the ad. North Face ad where they're basically, you know, the gay guy dancing around talking over coming for you, Salt Lake City. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it has just been, you know, Target. It is just being slammed down people's throat. Even even in people's jobs are being forced to push this stuff. And today we're going to talk about how, how do we fight back? What can we actually do to stop this? Yep. So we're going to announce our guest here in just a second. But uh, first off, I want to thank Castle Rock Interior Solutions. Um if you need flooring, especially tile, these guys will take care of you. And I just give a shout out to these guys and want to thank them because they have just, you know, there's a lot of people who support what we do. And some people, it's like they make a big sacrifice because to them it's so important to get this message out. And I just want to really thank Castle Rock because I know these guys step up and they give a lot for this cause. They care about this country. They care about freedom. And they've been absolutely just generous. So, Thank you guys for what you do. And uh, make sure you're following us, um, especially on Rumble. Jump on Rumble. We are the people UT. So all of our social media, whether it's Instagram, uh, any of the podcast, we are the people UT. The only one that's different is YouTube, which is we are the people radio. So hop on there, follow us, especially if you don't see us for a while. Just know we're probably banned. So jump on Rumble. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first YouTube time. loves us. They love to take our stuff down. They keep it to themselves. They're so greedy. Especially when you talk about China. Yeah, it's crazy. China. That was the one. That was the biggest one to them. Yes. So without further ado, you want to uh, welcome our guest? Absolutely. All right. Well, we have, like I said, the treasure to the state of Utah. The one, the only. The Mar one and only. The one and only Marlo Oaks. Marlo is the 26th state treasurer and appointed in 2021. He was on the ballot in November to finish out his predecessor's term. 
Marlowe spent most of his career in money management and is the only state treasurer with institutional investment management experience. Because of this knowledge of the capital markets, he is leading the charge across the country against ESG. Marlowe graduated with a degree in economics from BYU and an MBA from UCLA Anderson. Welcome to the show, Marlowe. Thank you. It's great to be here. And, and you know, it, sometimes you read bios and it's a lot of fluff. It's like, okay, sure. <laughs> but I really believe that you're, you really are leading the charge on ESG. So we owe you a real thank you. Oh, so thank you. Look forward to diving into that today. Yeah. You know, I, I got to tell you, it is in my nature to be distrusting of politicians. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you were on the list, too. No one's safe from you. It. You were on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I think, in fact, uh, there was a show that got released last week where I said, we're, we're, and this is why I'm glad you're here. And, and we we're fortunate to meet your lovely wife at convention. Oh, she, she, she honestly, the reason I, uh, the reason I trust you is because your wife, your yeah. wife yes. is absolutely <laughs> like a rock star. Yes. Like, yes, holy cow, is. this girl, this woman's a fireball. Yes. Yeah, the real right. VIP. Yeah, that's she right. Is, she, yeah, she was, she very impressed. Well, right. you know, and, 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 you know, I tell people about the story of Martha Hughes Cannon. Are you familiar with that story? No, tell us. So Martha Hughes Cannon is going to be in Washington, D.C. in the Rotenda as one of the two representatives for the state of Utah, the other Brigham Young. Uh-huh. So we're replacing Philo T. Farnsworth, who's represented Utah. But Idaho also, you know, claims Philo T. Farnsworth. Mm. He was the inventor of the television. So we have uh, put forward Martha Hughes Cannon as the person to represent Utah with Brigham Young. Well, her story is she was an amazing uh, woman, uh, part of suffrage in the United States and, and became very well educated in the medical field, went to the University of Michigan and, and got a, uh, either a, a medical degree or a degree in pharmacy, one of those things. Anyway, um, she decided that she wanted to go into politics. And so she ran for Senate and actually became the first female state senator in the country. Wow. And to do that, she had to run against the president of the Senate and beat the president of the Senate, who also happened to be her husband. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I constantly Great tell, story. ask people not to encourage my wife to run because I will be Martha Hughes Cannon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, I love that. I, I got, I got one of those crazy, talented women, too. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she makes me look good. We do a good job. We, we love, we love uh, fighting the fight together. Yeah. It's, it's a rare thing. It, you know, it, politics are, is hard. And it's hard enough just going into the fight, you know, on your own when you're in the swamp. Yes. So yeah. it's good to yeah. have the full armor on, and, and that includes your family. Yes. So if, yeah. you're, if your spouse is there and your kids are on board, there's nothing you can't handle at that point. Yeah, no, it's, it's a huge help for sure. Um, and, and she's got a, a great background in this, so it's really helpful for me. Well, she, uh, she gained our trust. I was, I was really just impressed by her. And, uh, you know, you've, a lot of the gals that we bring on that do research, they're like, oh, no, Jason, Marlo's the real deal. He's the real deal. And uh, I'm like, well, so, so I, so I want to get into that today but a, little, a little bit, but, um, but I do want to thank you for coming on. That means, it means a lot. And we were really fortunate because we were able to see Dr. James Lindsay, uh, what was it, last week? Yeah, the other week. Yeah. And he is on fire talking about Marxism, talking about uh, ESG and, and this, this, take, this absolute takeover of our country. And talking about a threat, it actually that it is an assault on the churches, an assault on on the on the children. Because that's really what ESG is. It creeps in through different avenues, and I feel like his realm is more the kids and the churches. But it is coming everywhere, and it's seeping mm-hmm. through 
corporations, and that's where you're, I feel, most vocal is the way it's affecting that spec that part of the spectrum. Right. Yep. But it's it's seeping in. That's how it comes in, is it? What, what's the expression? It comes in through the front door or the back door? Or Trojan horse. It comes, Trojan well, horse, know, yeah. Comes, they they yeah. sneak it in any way they can. Yes. They're, they're, it's a full-on assault. <laughs> it's they're full taking, on. I mean, it's back door, front door, windows. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are out of control. And they're coming down the chimney, too, for sure. I dressed up as Santa Claus. <laughs> Mrs. Claus. So, right, so why? So, so if, 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 when I think of... Uh, Marla Oaks, I think of ESG. You have been you have been really going around the state, uh, warning and talking to people about ESG. Tell us why ESG is so important to you. Why is this something you're that you're really? I mean, it seems like you're putting a lot on this. It seems like yes. your hill to die on. Is is yeah. this your hill to die on? And tell if so, why? Oh yeah, no, because so so I started hearing. Uh, um, the state treasurer of West Virginia talk about banks boycotting certain industries, you know, like fossil fuel industries. And I thought, that's weird. Why are they doing that? Uh, and then the solicitor general said, hey, have you heard about the Department of Labor rule to allow an ESG fund as a default option in retirement plans? And I thought, no, I, that that really surprised me because that that leads then to the politicization of our retirement portfolios. And so that's when I started to take a deep dive. That was November of 2021. And I said, I've got to get my arms around ESG. And having spent most of my career in investment management, I had heard just a little bit about ESG, but I, I went to the uh, investment banking, kind of the, the sell side uh, back in 2013, 2014. And so it'd been a number of years since I'd been involved in investment management. And in that time frame, ESG had really come onto the scene and and had uh, gained a lot of followers and, and, and it really surprised me what was happening. The reason that this is such a problem is because it, it, it really turns our economic system upside down. ESG at its heart is top down centralized control. You know, it's it's um, you know kind of this uh, um, substituting our pluralistic institutions. You know, you think about the, the markets. Our markets are pluralistic institutions, meaning that there are a lot of different players involved and they're all separate entities. Um, and, and because of that, there's safety in, in that pluralistic institution because we haven't wanted power to consolidate into one area because that could potentially lead to problems. And, and, and what this represents is the consolidation of power to force people to act certain ways based on economic principles. It's, it's very dangerous, not only to the economic system, but because we're taking political issues and taking them out of our political institutions and putting them in the capital markets, now you're talking about undermining the Constitution. So talk about attacking the foundations of a country, right? The economic system and your governing documents, it, it doesn't get much worse than that. And so I really saw uh, this to be a threat to everything we hold dear as Americans. And that's why I believe this is an American issue. This should not be a red or blue issue, yeah. right? This is really mm -hmm. about, do you care about the United States of America? Do you care about our founding documents? Do you care about our free market economic system that has been the greatest system in the world, that has created more wealth than any other system, that has created more innovation than any other system in the world? Um, that's what we're talking about here. It is. This is not hyperbolic to say this is one of the most dangerous things that we've had in the history of our country. 
So, so first, my first question is, what's the agenda behind this? Uh, so I, I do believe that this is, it represents uh, a desire to, um, to take control, essentially, of society. I mean, there's, there are elements of authoritarianism and t- tyranny, uh, clearly, I mean, all through ESG. Uh, and so um, it, it's often uh, put in the guise of climate change or, you know, social injustices, but that's really not what this is about. Um, so what what is it about then? Uh, centralized control and, and, and gaining control over society and over people. Because yeah, when, we, when we met with uh, Dr. James Lindsay, we were talking about Coke, not Coke, about uh, Bud Light. Mm. And um, he said after, what was I think he said after Bud Light, um, they were somehow they 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 were they tried to like make things right or maybe it was target one of these companies tried to make things right and then they got penalized for 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 trying to like appease the people yeah and so i said okay so who is the where what is the top of the food chain mm-hmm. where, where is this coming from so you say who it's centralized they? control yeah who yeah. where is this coming from so if you and look, i want to hear your thoughts because i heard yeah. james Lindsay. i want to hear your thoughts like where is this originating from like who is the kingpin here who is like who is orchestrating all this yeah and who is penalizing and pushing target and and bud light and and every you know burger king and all these corporations and and what appears to be churches yeah <laughs> so the first time that uh, the words ESG are found printed anywhere. It's actually a June 2004 document from the U- United Nations. Who cares wins? And basically they say only if all actors uh, adopt factor, ESG factors can significant improvements be made. Um, and, and so uh, the UN has what's called the UN Principles of Responsible Investing, Uh, That's an organization that has gone around to large asset owners and asset managers and get get them to commit to this agenda. Um, And and then they are supposed to turn around and commit others to the agenda. Um, And so the UN um, is very much behind this. The UN and the World Economic Forum signed an agreement back in 2019 to work together. So the um, and the UN has created the UN Sustainable Development Goals, right? These 17 goals, and they tie into ESG. Uh, and so the World Economic Forum and the UN working together to uh, push the world towards addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And through you know the markets, it's done through by ESG. Now, what's interesting is you have to say, okay, where did the Sustainable Development Goals come from? Well, uh, my understanding is that China has played a significant role in creating the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Ultimately, this agenda uh, benefits China by undermining the United States and undermining Western European, you know, traditional um, kind of developed countries and benefits China because... um, because it weakens us, and they're not beholden to right. these kinds of things. No, their their clear objective is to, uh, it, well, their clear enemy is the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And can yeah. I just say how refreshing it is to hear you acknowledge both the UN and the World Economic Forum? 
we've had so many con uh, conversations with our, our just our legislators, and and you'd be surprised how many say they don't even know what the World Economic Forum yeah, do, is. Do you wow. do you really think we have representatives? And I would say even the governor, when I asked the governor, he said he didn't never heard of the World Economic Forum. Do you really think that that's they, these guys don't know what the World Economic Forum is? I, um, or, or what do you what are your thoughts on that? Why do you, why do these guys like why do they? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, I, I think it's become more in the public consciousness over the last two years, you know, sort of since COVID. Um, and it's become much more, more people are aware of uh, the World Economic Forum and, and sort of what, what they're trying to push. Um, you know, and I think traditionally people have looked at the UN and said, well, they're, they're really too disorganized to be able to do much. But when you combine the World Economic Forum with the UN, that's a pretty dangerous combination, right? So, you know, I find um, that I spend uh, uh, as much time as I can educating people on this and, and really trying to draw some connections. And, uh, you know, it's interesting as I've gone around the country and talked about this that, that you know, people are seeing it. Um, and I, I just hope you know, that more people will be open to a discussion to understand what's really going on. Yeah. So why is ESG so attractive to certain corporations? I feel like it almost becomes beholden, especially you see certain startups, uh, and, and Utah is a great example, Silicon Slopes. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of the, the startups become beholden to the ESG gods that, that are kingmakers, basically. You know, they dictate how you have to operate uh, the business. So why is it so attractive when we know it has such a, a negative connotation if, if you have an understanding of what it really means? Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting question. And, I, you know, I, I have my thoughts on that. And, and it's more speculation than anything. But, um, you know, we've seen an erosion of religion in this country. Um, and people are searching for meaning in their lives. Uh, and, and so I think this fills a void for a lot of people to feel like they are making a difference and doing something good in the world, right? And, and part of ESG is this virtue signaling to say, look at how great we are. Look at all the good things our business is doing. And, and we've also demonized business, right? Um, business is not thought of as an honorable enterprise in and of itself. It's, it's sort of like if you're a capitalist or if you own a business, right, you are somehow evil and you have to give back as if you have stolen something from somebody, right? Uh, and so I think all of this sort of plays into where we are today. We're, and, you know, the um, kids coming out of college, you know, they want to make a difference somewhere and, and feel like they're doing good. But what they don't re realize is that the good of this country is really based on the freedoms that we have and, and the fact that we can choose to be charitable and we can choose to do good in our own ways. And, and ESG just sort of takes all the fun out of it. By, I call it coercive capitalism, right? Yeah. right? This mean, invisible fist. It almost gives people a moral compass when that's something they should be finding within their spirituality. Yes. Yeah, it's, a whole, it's the whole idea that there is a God-sized hole in our hearts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we can't not worship. And either we worship God or we worship the state or we worship something else. Or nature, yeah, right? Yeah, or, or wokeism, right. which has become a religion. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about a fist, it reminds me of uh, Marxism. Um, tell me about uh, your understanding of 
the correlation because we did talk beforehand you and you mentioned that you do see correlations with uh, ESG to Marxism and, and Mao's cultural revo- cultural revolution. Yeah, T- talk to our listeners a little bit about what that is and why that's a concern because I think that's you know you can't defeat an, an enemy that you don't understand. Right. And I think you know what it's so easy for people to look on the surface of ESG and see well. It's an idea that's an ideology that says we're going to take care of the planet. That seems like a good idea. Um, social, we should be, we should be, we should take care of the environment. We should take care of people socially. We should be loving of everybody. Um, and then you know, governance. It all sounds so good. So, yeah. is, talk about what is the other side of it that's maybe not so cheery or beautiful. Yeah. So it's interesting if you think about. Um, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, for example, they are what what I call outcomes-based governance, where a group of people have come together, the experts, right, have come together and said, here are the problems in the world uh, that we need to solve, and here's how we're going to solve them, and everybody get in line, right? It's, right. it's kind of this top-down um, dictates. Un- unelected. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and these goals, they sound great, right? End world hunger, you know, solve climate change, um, poverty and poverty in the world. But, but who decided what the goals are and who decided what the relative importance is of those goals? Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things that, that I look at is, okay, what if you take goal number two to end hunger and uh, put it against... Goal number 13, climate change. Who wins, mm. right? Which one wins? <laughs> and what you see today is an attack on agriculture around the world. The Netherlands is probably the, the biggest example of that. Here's yeah. the number two exporter in the world of agriculture. And the government there is trying to shut down 3,000 farms. What is that going to do to world hunger, mm-hmm. right? So why are people saying... You know, you've got to shut down farms when that's going to lead to world hunger. That's one of the sustainable development goals, right? Who's you know, deciding? And I, that? and I like to bring tie everything into Utah because you know, and I just want to make this quick thing because the re, part of the reason we do this show is we, we our mission is simple. It is we believe the Constitution will be saved, but but I but in doing that, to me, it, it will not be saved in DC. DC is so beyond anything their founding fathers ever could have envisioned. It is a complete cesspool. And so what we think when we talk about saving the Constitution, that means saving it in its original intent, which is that state sovereignty, that the state has a, a, the biggest role, in your, plays the biggest role in your life. And our, and our message to people is stop getting lost in the, in the circus show in, in D.C. and start focusing on your backyard. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it turns out there's a lot to focus on in our backyard in Utah. Um, talking about China, talking about the UN, talking about World Economic Forum, those three organizations you talked about that are kind of spearheading all this. They have to be very connected to Utah as well. But you talk about farmers, what's going on in, in the Netherlands, right here in our backyard, we are losing our farmers and our farms at a dramatic rate. In fact, we had a farmer come on and, and they're very concerned. I mean, this is happening here in Utah as well. Yeah, no, and I'm very concerned about that just across this country. What? Bill Gates, I mean, buying up all the farms and China. Well, and we've had tremendous consolidation of the agricultural sector, right? right? Um, You know, one one to two percent of the people produce the food for the rest of us, right? (laughs) So that's a highly concentrated 
um, industry. Uh, and same thing with banking, right? Banking has the top six banks are uh, very powerful, right? Right, and and there's a big. Uh, it's, 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 it's dangerous. Very top it's heavy. very yes. dangerous, and that yes. sets us up for fascism, where you have yeah. that alliance right here, exactly. government and that, corporations. That, that's and, right. And then you you uh, also include war. You know, Ukraine, one of the top ex- exporters of grain. Yeah, grain. Yeah. yeah so you have that added to the to the variable and then inflation so you're you don't have access for multiple reasons you don't have access because of these initiatives like in in the netherlands Mm -hmm. but then also inflation just makes it inaccessible so the poverty issue or or access and famine becomes more of a real issue yeah yeah so if you think about you know top-down um kind of these outcomes-based governance so the economist friedrich hayek he talked about this uh, in the, I think it's in the road to serfdom. Uh, and, and he said the possibility of men living together in peace without having to agree on common concrete aims and bound only by abstract rules of conduct was perhaps the greatest discovery mankind ever made. A system of common concrete ends towards which all efforts are directed by authority would deprive us of the advantages of free civilization. He recognized yeah. that when we have top-down you know, saying here are the outcomes that we've got to have and everybody work towards them, that opens us up to authoritarianism because that's the only way you can accomplish those goals, you know. And so you think about the Ten Commandments. That was an early version of the rules of conduct. And, and, you know, our Constitution is another example of rules of conduct. And, And that's one of the beauties of freedom is that we are the sovereign. Each of us individually are the sovereign, even under the Constitution. You know, we're, we're the entity that elects the government. They're serving us. Well, in the economy, it's also us as individual actors that determine how we want to spend our money. Companies are supposed to be serving us. It's what we demand that bottom determines up. the market. It's bottom up. Bottom exactly. Right. And what's happened when you have a socialist system you see tremendous inefficiencies right. that are created. That's what led to the downfall of the Soviet Union, was right. the inefic- market inefficiencies. Inefficiencies, like despite who you want to hire, we're going to force you hire these people it, with it, these qualifications, regardless of how good yeah, they are. Yeah, and you're going to produce this, <clears throat> right? And, and this is the amount we're going to produce, and you don't have the proper incentives in place. I mean, yeah. the beauty of our system is that it's simple because each of us really do – what's in our best interest, we pursue our own economic agenda. And in so doing, it serves all of society. It's Adam Smith, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that has created more wealth than any other system in the world and has given us tremendous power in the world. And so we've had a moral authority, right? And, and, And that freedom has been a tremendous moral compass for other people around the world, hence the desire to come to the United States. That is all under threat now because there is this push by uh, the wealthy, the elite, uh, you know, the totalitarians in, in the world to try and try and subvert that and, and take over. Yeah. It's refreshing, you know, hearing you talk about this and it's just so, um, it's sad that so much of the world and even people right here in Utah don't see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really 
see what was happening until I got um, really got into it. And then I said, wow, this is, this is crazy. Where's <laughs> if, if things don't change, where is this leading? Where does this end? Um, well, I, I think, you know, we're sort of on the road to bondage, um, you know, to, to slavery at, at some level. Uh, when, when you look at the digitization of everything, um, you know, having to have a digital passport of some sort, a, a digital currency, right? Central bank digital currency. I mean, that really is the, those are the shackles that, that will bind all of us and, and really destroy all, all freedom. I hope we don't get there. Well, just July, just a few weeks from, or a few days from now. Yeah. Fed now is rolling out. Yeah. And I don't think people exactly realize just how significant that is. No, uh, yeah, they, yeah. Because that is essentially the rolling out of the central bank digital currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of phase one, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, so, you know, it's interesting to see what other states ha- have been looking at. So in Texas, they were looking at a gold kind of uh, being able to use gold and silver but using a, a card, almost like a credit card, right? Gold yeah. back. Yeah. We'll go back here in Utah. Yeah, go yeah, back here back. in Utah. Yeah, but this is actually more like a credit card where you have, I, I think, gold deposited somewhere. Like what the Fed and Federal Reserve should have been. <laughs> like what that, <laughs> at one point. <laughs> yeah. Crazy idea. <laughs> Gold-based yeah. mon- gold-backed money. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that it, it's interesting because there's states now are, are saying, okay, we've got to protect ourselves. And, and people looking at things that, not that long ago, people would have thought it was crazy, right? But but when you start seeing the trends of what's happening in the world, you do start to say, okay, how am I going to protect myself? So, all right, so you talk about the digital dollar, the digital ID, which is things that they've talked about at the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. Um, and, then, and then you tie that to your ESG score. Mm-hmm. And the digital ID was just pushed through to law just this last year. Well, in Utah. in Utah, we have, they're pushing digital driver's license. Mm. Yeah. Um, scary. Yes. Um, and it wasn't done by law. It was actually, it wasn't a law they did because they tried to do a law and then the people showed up and shut it down. And so I Under think it was so no, I think it was like an, an ex, what was it, an experiment they're doing or, or the governor said, we're going to do a, a trial or something. Do, do you know how, how they're I running that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're running it as a trial, but, but, uh, but it's a, vol- it's a voluntary trial basically mm. where they're doing digital ID here. Um, and then obviously you see the world economic forum who's talking about and the UN about smart cities. Um, so when you think of digital ID, um, ESG, and 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 the and the, and the introduction of the surveillance state, you look what they're doing in China with mm-hmm. uh, with um, with with uh, what is it? The social credit score. Yeah, social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on that, particularly about the smart cities, especially because I don't know if if you want to comment on it because I know that they've got one here. They're working on the point, 15-minute city. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think what um, people should really look at is the extent to which the climate conversation has become radicalized. Um, to, and you have to ask yourself, how far are they willing to go to stop climate change, Right. 
And the lockdowns. You look at exactly. You I mean, look at the lockdowns. They've already been talking about straight out of the World Health Economic Forum is the next the, the climate lockdowns. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'm I'm familiar with the case in the insurance industry where a, a large insurance company had a, a proxy um, proposal put on their ballot about greenhouse gas emission reporting, uh, and it, it, it makes no sense because nobody has this information, and nobody knows how to get the information. Uh, but here's what's scary is um, the, the shareholder activists who are pushing this. They say, look, we know, uh, we know this isn't really about your company. This is more about the world and the, the environment, the, and, you know, the climate in the world. And we're trying to send a message to the marketplace that unless you, the end user of insurance, has a, a transition plan in place and are committed to reducing your carbon footprint, then you should either not have access to insurance or it should be more expensive for you. Okay, so that tells you how far they are willing to go. They're willing to push companies to do things that are not in their economic best interest to uh, stop underwriting insurance for people who are not, who do not have a, a, a transition plan in place. The, and, and their book of business is a lot of just regular people like you and I. How many of us have a transition plan, right? right. An energy transition plan. No. I mean, this is stuff that, you would think is, you know, nuts, but but it's actually happening in the marketplace, and, and there is a push to force people to to uh, change their behavior in such a way that really doesn't make a lot of sense. So we know politics is downstream from culture, and this kind of answers what you were just saying. I feel like ESG really intersects with culture mm-hmm. because it's shaping very much the way that. That we're supposed to live. Yeah, they're 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 to trying live. to dramatically push culture, yeah. which is oh, yeah. actually causing a cultural pushback to a counterculture yes. movement, which yes. is exciting. Yeah, yes. sorry, go ahead. No, and then it's more just an observation, you know, because most law, you know, it it it's it's meant to be a way to keep control and moral righteousness if you don't have that code of your own, mm-hmm. and maybe you could give a better definition of law but that's just a broad broad scope but this seems like it's perfect it's it's positioned to change behavior yeah. which is oh, yeah. interesting so it's yes. it's very interesting from that perspective because you have something now coming out that's really i mean outside of like the fourth industrial revolution and ai i don't see anything more pivotal to changing our behavior as a society than these ESG initiatives. Yeah, and, and, and really it's using the mechanism of money, mm-hmm. right, to, to force people's behavior, to make things more expensive or, or even uh, unavailable unless you have done the right things in the eyes of, of whoever's pushing this. And it's a lot of what you're seeing coming out of college now. You have people with degrees, meaningless degrees in, in gender studies and, and things like that. They're not going to pursue a trade. There, you know, we we have a problem now with the youth coming up and not fulfilling those roles that in the past had been, you know, foundational, fundamental to society functioning. Yeah. So now instead you have diversity hires that aren't, you know, perfect example was the the Titanic submersible 
Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he comes out and he says, uh, well, we can't hire 50-year-old white men. Sis. <laughs> they, they're not inspirational enough. So we need to instead have, you know, these youth diversity hires. And how did that end up for them? Yeah. You know, it, it literally imploded under the sea. Yeah. So I think that's a great analogy for where we're heading. Yeah. No. Well, and, and, yeah. And I was just going to say there's a lot of, of kids that graduate with degrees that are not, you know, in the traditional sense, you really gender studies. Yeah. You can't really get a job. <laughs> right. right. And so part of the DEI effort is to help these kids get jobs. Right. 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 You know, you look at where we're going, and, and I can't help. And, and actually, you talked about when we asked who's behind this. You said China, the United Nations, and the World Economic Forum. And I, and I wish there was more out there on China and their social credit uh, system, mm-hmm. because that is straight terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is straight terrifying. That, you know, the amount, it, they literally live in a surveillance state. And if they jaywalk, the camera picks up their name. Um, or their face. Well, picks up their face, knows their name, sends them a fine, or or can actually pull money out of their account. They're, they're, if it knows what they're eating, it tells them what they can eat, what they what they can eat. If they're not a good citizen, um, or if they're looking at things online that are questionable to the Chinese Communist Party, they can actually lose their pets. I mean, it is it is uh, that is tyranny. Yeah. Do you see? I just can't help see that that's where we're headed. Well, it, yeah, I mean, there are there are certainly a lot of parallels there. Um, just, you know, it, 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 the, really the theme is that we're talking about getting rid of our economic freedoms and our constitutional freedoms for somebody else dictating how we can and cannot live. And that's basically... Right, I mean that's basically what we're talking about. Yeah. Living in a in, in a tyranny. What What are your thoughts on ESG and the churches? Because you know that's something I see is is this pressure that's also coming down on churches to conform, to conform to kind of the United Nations their standards. Um, so, so yeah, tell me your thoughts about the church, because then I want to dig in a little deeper on that. Yeah. So so I think um, so I think the the churches are. I don't know if they're under pressure or there's there's this clearly a recognition by the UN, um, maybe the World Economic Forum, that churches have uh, play a significant role in people's lives and the choices that they make. And so, if you can get the churches on board, that can smooth the way for people to accept things that they otherwise wouldn't. Because they look to their churches for guidance on, right. on these kinds of things. And so, um, you know, there's been some excellent work done uh, by a gentleman by the name of Trevor Loudon on Epic Times uh, about the communist infiltration into churches. Um, I have not seen that documentary, but, you know, I'm just kind of aware on, on the periphery about this push because of the importance of religious organizations to people that they trust their, you know, religious leaders. And and, so infiltrate the church. And and so if you can get the, you know, the church leaders on board, whatever church it is, right. um, Then you're more likely to have buy-in from, you know, the followers. One of the concerns I have is when you look at the marriage equality act, um, 
Or the re- Respect for Marriage Act? Respect for Marriage yeah. Act. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Um, when you look at the Respect for Marriage Act, which is really opens door for, for gay marriage at a whole nother level, and you look at you know where they are with ESG, do you foresee it being a slippery slope? Let's just talk here in Utah. Um, right now, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, they have temples where they choose, hey, this is, we want to have marriage be, you know, as between man and woman. Do you foresee that uh, we're going to be running into some potential problems here with um, whether it, wherever this is coming down from, for, you know, this uh, pressure to have gay marriage in the temple or that this discrimination if it's not and, and, and maybe the, the church is threatened to lose their 50C3 status? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't really delved into that. Um, so obviously speculation, right? Yeah. And so I, that's all I'm doing is speculating, but I'm just yeah. wondering if we're, if we're on a slippery slope to being to the church getting that kind of pressure. I mean, how far are we from a lawsuit that says, Hey, this is, this is discrimination. Yeah. Um, that that's beyond my realm. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully. Right. I'm yeah. Glad, I, I'm I just, glad I don't yeah, have to I, think I about just, some of these things. I'm just looking down the road and I'm wondering, is that something I can't see that not coming. How about the at least lawsuits and pressure I mean, as we move more and more towards more global control and more push towards, I mean, because you look just from last year to this year, how aggressively, much more aggressive they're pushing this. I mean, it is every commercial now, you know, Target and Burger King and this and that. It's like they are just pushing it yeah. full press. And then, you know, they're pushing corporations and, this, and through the stock market, they're, they're pushing people to adapt. Yep. Are we really? Do we really not think that they will come after the churches? Yeah, one one of the one of my friends um, who uh, does some has a blog. He uh, when he's with his more progressive friends, he'll say, "Let's play a game. You're king for a day, and you can decide what how, what you want to implement in your world, your nation, right? And how far would you go?" Right, blank slate. Here you are. You're a progressive. You know you want to implement policies. Um, and and what's fascinating is that oftentimes there really isn't an endpoint. That is kind of frustrating because progressivism is constantly looking for what's in place now and what's the next thing that we can do. It's like power. It's yeah, insatiable. There's no, there's no, there's no end insatiable. point where you're actually satisfied with, with what, how society is organized or, or created, right? And well, so, and there's always going to be a boogeyman if it isn't the capitalists. It's you know the it's well. I, I heard an interesting theory on I think it was Glenn Beck where they were talking about the boycotts of Bud Light and everything, and not that we shouldn't be doing it. Mm, this isn't. This is interesting. Go on. But that. What it's going to pave way for is that, well, it's these Christian patriots. Christian nationalists. White, white nationalists. It's, it's the Christian yeah. nationalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that then pits them against, well, you're against immigration, you're against, you know, all of these things. So this then checks the box of you're now the enemy. So, I mean, it's not in the same thing with the LGBT movement. It's not enough now just to be gay. You're not oppressed enough, so it's, right. it's this endless. It is pit. activists, yeah. You have to create activists who will tear down the established cyst order, yeah. Yeah. which is which is the Constitution, which is West, Western 
civilizations built upon. They want to tear that down, the whole patriarchy. Well, and you, and you think about revolutions in history, right? Like um, the French Revolution, um, you know, they go after the, the aristocrats, and, and then they start going after the people who were, yeah. you know, the poor people, right? And, and yeah. Robespierre lost his head just like the aristocrats did, right? right? These things feed on themselves. Um, during the China's Cultural Revolution, the, the president of, of China before Mao, he, uh, he ended up getting ar- being arrested and shamed publicly. And I mean, I mean, this stuff just has a, a, a way of uh, taking a life of its own. And, and that's the scary part is if, even if people are for sort of the underlying ESG things, what I say is I, I don't, I'm not really talking about the underlying politics. I'm talking about the mechanism itself of ESG. That, that's the real problem. But they often get hung up on, oh, you must be against the environment or you must be against right these social things, whatever. I don't even talk about that. I'm talking about the mechanism itself because that is, that is changing the dynamics of the market, changing our, our constitutional form our of sovereignty. government. Yes, our exactly. And it changes how we deal with differences in society. This is incredibly dangerous. I mean, this is a Trojan horse. Yeah. This is a Trojan horse to overthrow well, the Constitution. Well, especially when it's under the guise of humanitarian initiative, social justice, which on the surface level, you can't be against. Well, and, and you know, the, the reality is this. We, we can, all we have to do is we understand this is, that this is a Marxist organization, a Marxist move, what, what's, ha- what's happening. And as far as the churches go, Dictators are threatened by anything they perceive as a threat to their power, and in the, in the UN, which is a Marxist organization, there they do not. There is no. There, in fact, it actually has satanic roots, right? I think that's been that's, anyone who digs into that can find that. They believe in a form of government where it is the government, and then the people. Top down, just what mm-hmm. God doesn't fit in there, and this is the same thing with this is Marxism. Marxism, it is it is the state is God. Well, you and, have to and, get rid of God. And you have to get rid of God and anybody who, and, and you have to replace, and that is religion. And that's mm-hmm. why this will, that's why people have to realize, look, if you do not stop this dragon, which it is a dragon, every day it gets more and more powerful. Look from this year to last year, look five years ago, it was nowhere. This dragon is growing very quickly. Yep. And I will tell you what is coming crazy for you. When you look at the past, when, it, when it, that dragon is unleashed, it will come for the churches. It will come for the religion because religion is, if I believe in God, I will never bow to a dictator. Right. Because, and I never will bow to their truth. That's the problem. We have real truth. We believe in divine truth. There is a God. There are two genders. We believe in divine truth. Tyranny is, a sta- is, is built on the idea that the dictator dict- is able to dictate what is true and what is not. And so the that's minute right. he's in power, he has to destroy with the whole pot, and that's what the postmodern movement is, destroy the idea of absolute truth, and now truth is defined by the state. That's right. And that's why they will go after the churches, because the churches are a direct threat to their power, because their power is they are God. Mm-hmm. And our churches say, no, you are not. In fact, you are below man, mm-hmm. and we need to keep you there. So this is coming to the state, or to the churches. And I actually believe that they will use the LGBT issue as, as their way to crush it. And since the beginning of time, religion has always been the most fundamental core of society. I mean, in any empire, yeah. it's always been religion. So you take that away, 
And then that opens the door to the control that you're talking about. Well, yeah, and, and you, you basically have a vacuum, right? You create, create a vacuum where religion used to provide that, that direction in people's lives. Meaning, that, yeah, purpose, meaning and happiness. A compass, right? Mm-hmm. And a moral compass for people. Suddenly, as that is undermined, then you do have, you, you basically have a power vacuum. And, and so then it becomes easier for a, a government, a state, to wor- you worship to, to, Stalin to step in now, yeah, and that's why these people literally worship them. Yeah, yeah, it's it is it's 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 kind of scary. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, so, insurance companies have been under pressure to uh, adopt um, like greenhouse gas emission reporting, things like that, and uh, and some of our larger insurance companies have, you know, kind of signed on and said, yeah, we'll do that. Um, even though they have no clue how to do it, but they're publishing it uh, in, in annual reports saying, you know, temperature scoring their investment portfolio and saying this is like three degrees and, you know, these companies uh, average out at 1.2 degrees and, and the overall portfolio is at 2.7 degrees. I mean, crazy stuff, but it, it's sort of like we're forcing ourselves, we're pretending like we have information, it's the equivalent of saying two plus two equals five, right? It's like we're, people are succumbing to this lie that if they just go along, that it's going to go away. No. And we have to step up and stand up and say, no, two plus two equals four. Yeah. Because yes. that's always what's brought on communism and dictatorial um, uh, efforts is is people sort of going along with the lie until it's too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to. We're going to kind of bring it full circle here. Actually, let me give you. Actually, I'm going to bring up one point that that I find uh, interesting because when we asked, you know, who is what's who is behind, you know, really driving this? You brought up China. Uh, you brought up the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, and. And this is why I tell people to focus on Utah because you look at the you know the, the series of articles by the Associated Press about China's foothold in Utah. You look at the United Nations; the only place they meet out in America outside of New York is Utah. You look at the World Economic Forum, and they're putting out articles about Utah leading the leading the way with 15-minute cities. Um, you know, I just hope our listeners realize that you're in a place that matters. Like this is, I, I really believe Utah is a special place. I, I, I truly believe this is ground zero. I, th- I think we have some of the greatest light and the most incredible people. And I would include the company I'm in with here. And I also believe there's also the opposing yin and yang darkness here. And, uh, and it's very clear by China, the United Nations World Economic Forum, didn't talk about Utah being the birthplace of the fourth industrial revolution. We've, we, we have a fight in our hands. Man, I, and one of the things I've been starting to see is that we do have some good representatives who care about this stuff and who, are, who want to do the right thing. Um, and so I, I just want to tell you, I'm thankful for you coming on here and, and having a conversation that people need to hear uh, and having the boldness to talk about it because... Uh, we've seen when some elected officials are approached about this stuff, uh, they want to call it, you know, call this stuff conspiracy or pretend it doesn't exist. And, and how can we win a battle if, if we're going to pretend that they, there is no enemy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, you know, and I think um, 
you know, it's sort of like me in my journey, understanding what's going on, you know, it, it sometimes it takes time for people to wrap their heads around something that is so counter to what they believe the world, how, how the world is made up. Right. Mm -hmm. That how, how could this be happening? And, and, but then they see, you know, the actual examples of, of what's really happening. And, it, and sometimes it just takes time to, yeah. you know what I mean? Just kind of wrap your brain around yeah. because it is so counter well, everything that we believe. Until you, until you read the book of Revelations and then you just read about the last days, then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, it all fits together. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some scary parallels here. So let's say we all wake up, or at least enough of us wake up. And it seems like in talking about, you know, what it's about, top down versus bottom up, it almost sounds like bottom up is is the solution for this. Well, yes, and, and truth. That, that that's the one thing that we have on our side is is the truth, right? And, and you know, there's there's this effort to to force a lie on society, right? And but uh, but there is truth that we can hold on to, and truth is always less expensive to perpetuate than lies. Lies are so much harder, right, to implement. Right, and to cover up and, and to, to cover, keep protecting because it, 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 it never right. ends. Well, that, what, right. what was the gentleman's name in Hitler's uh, regime that said you tell a, a lie big enough and people will believe it? And you, you just tell big enough and often enough, people and often yeah. enough. becomes the truth. And that's yeah. and that is <clears throat> the crux of World War II and Nazi Germany. It's well, and, and what you just said reminds me of Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Mm -hmm. You know, the, yes. the, about one man who tells the truth can bring down a tyranny. Yeah. And, and, I, and I love the thing I love about Alexander Solzhenitsyn is it's, it hit on two things you talked about in that quote. <clears throat> one thing you talked about, the power of the truth. And, you know, the, the worlds were created by the logos, by words. I mean, our words, the truth is power, right? Mm -hmm. The truth is light. But the other thing is <clears throat> we're living in a world, <clears throat> pardon me, that talks about, it's all about the collective. You know, collectivism, it's, it's all about your group, the group you belong to, your group is your power. And that is so much the opposite of what the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence is, which is the divine worth of the individual. You know, that we are the sons and daughters of a living God and, and the power that anybody who, who, who grows up in the lowliest of cir circumstances has the divinity within them that in this state they, there's no limit to what they can become. That is what we're fighting for. And that's, and that's to me what... What you're talking about, and I want, well, I want to, I want to read a quote about the power of the individual. But first, I'd like to give you a moment to share your closing thoughts with our uh, listeners and viewers. Yeah. So, if you could have anything that, <clears throat> so if those watching and thinking, well, what, do, what do we do, or you know, my, you know, how do we, what, how can I, what, what, what difference can I make as a single individual? Yeah. No, and it's really important <clears throat> that we as individuals stand up, as we've seen with the Bud Light and Target and. Right, these companies that are pushing this agenda, you can see the power of individuals coming together and saying, no, we're not going to go along with this. We've got to continue to do that because that's ultimately how we are going to get out from under this. So um, if, you don't, if you don't like businesses politicizing their business, let them know. If you stop doing business with the business, don't just stop doing business with them. Tell them why you're not doing business with them. Um, conversely, if there are businesses that aren't politicizing their business, let them know that you appreciate that. One of the beauties of our 
our system. And this was Alex de Tocqueville when he, when he went through the United States in the 1830s. He said, you know, democracies tend to die after a generation. Um, because especially diverse, you know, where there's a lot of diversity because that diversity ends up splitting people up and, and ends up destroying society. What One of the things that made the United States unique is that we had these intermediary bodies where people could go that, that weren't political, right? Um, business being one of the key ones. We want to go to, to work and we don't want to worry about politics and, and ESG is changing that because now we're suddenly pushing politics into business. And that's why I talk about um, getting politics out of business. People think, um, you know, the anti-ESG people like, like me are, are trying to put a thumb on the scale on the right. You know, if you think about ESG, a thumb on the scale, pushing left-wing politics, anti-ESG is just coming from the right. That's absolutely not true. Anti-ESG is an attempt to get the thumb off of the scale so that capital is moving the way in free market, free market. Exactly. Um, and, and, and so, you know, the goal is to depoliticize, to create these safe places, people where people can go and, and, and despite different political views and different ideologies and different religious views, people have come together to work on common goals in business and, and that's been one of the great strengths of the United States. It's really our unity, despite our diversity, that is our strength. It's not our diversity that's our strength. It's the unity, despite our diversity, that is our strength. So we almost I need agree. ESG support groups inside <laughs> of our, right. our workplaces. That's right. That's right. Can, can <laughs> we legislate our way out of this, or does this go back to culture where that's the only way that we can fix it? It's really hard, and, and you know I've talked about this a lot, it's really hard to apply uh, a legislative fix to something that's happening in the marketplace. Um, because and that's, and that's why fascism <clears throat> is so dangerous. Yeah. Especially yeah. In, a, in a capitalistic society. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, if you think about legislation, it's really force, and ESG is force. Um, and so the best solutions are actually in the marketplace. Um, the fiduciary standard in this country, to, to, to that if I'm managing money for somebody else, I have a fiduciary obligation to do what's in their best interest, financial best interest, full stop, um, it's not to put, push a political agenda. And so when you push ESG in, the, in an investment portfolio, you are by definition breaking a fiduciary duty, e- even though they've tried to redefine and, and say ESG risk is investment risk. And, you know, that, that just doesn't work when you look at the politics that's being pushed. So the fiduciary standard is a big help. Um, the other thing that people can do with their own investment portfolios um, is to talk to their, uh, financial advisor and see if any of the investment managers that that they are using in their portfolios have um, supported, are there any, you know, if the investment manager who is responsible for uh, voting the shares in that portfolio. So essentially the voice of the investor, the investment manager has, a, has that responsibility to vote the shares in a way that is uh, consistent with the fiduciary obligation has that manager voted any shares to support a racial equity audit at a company. That that's one question that they could ask so the you financial. Ask them. Yeah, the financial <clears throat> advisor okay. say, I, "Okay, I, I've got this 
money manager. And Are these the five questions that you mentioned? Yeah, this is just a couple so, so of So, yeah, them. let's yeah. hear a couple of those questions. Yeah, you so, you know, did, have any of the – have you voted – has this money manager voted – uh, in favor of any racial equity audits at any companies. Okay. Um, have, have they also voted for executive compensation that's tied to ESG metrics? Okay. So we talk about things that are happening at at Bud uh, at Anheuser Busch or uh, Target. Um, you know, there's the possibility that the executive pay is tied to ESG metrics. You know, because they're being motivated from something other than yeah. economic best interest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have they voted for uh, greenhouse gas emission reporting uh, at any company? Um, have they voted? Or have Have they uh, supported proposals related to uh, board diversity? You know, dictating board diversity. Actually, in California, there was a law passed a couple of years ago saying companies had to have two female directors on the board and the Los Angeles court of appeals struck that down as unconstitutional. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, there's questions and this is really important that people talk to their financial advisors and they find money managers that are managing their money and representing their interests in a fiduciarily consistent way. That's consistent with their fiduciary duty to them. Because none of us want to get to retirement and, and realize that, oh, we, didn't, we don't have enough money because we, we ended up politicizing our investments, right? And, and those returns suffered. And, and they do and they will. We are all being harmed by ESG right now by higher inflation with gas prices. There is a chronic underinvestment in oil and gas in this country. Back in 2015, there were $46.6 billion raised um, for funds around the world in 2021, 4.6 billion—a drop of over 90 percent. The only way that that's explained is is by uh, ESG. ESG is the only reason that that would happen because big institutional uh, owners yeah. said, "Oh, look at uh, look at us—we're not invested in oil and gas." But what does that lead to? It leads to higher prices, and who pays the price? It's the those who can least afford it. The, the poorest people in this country pay three times the amount of their income that the average person does on energy costs. And, and so as they go up, it just crushes these yeah, people. It's care, so cause, sad. Because these elite care so much about the poor. Well, And then you look at the example of Elon <laughs> Musk and his ESG score. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that, that's exhibit A for how politicized this yeah. is. Exactly. Right. So. Well, any closing thoughts, beautiful? No. No, I, I mean, we could stay here all night and, and, and talk <laughs> ESG, but um, any good news to share? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad you asked. So Vanguard in, in December, um, and I really think this was a, a result of uh, the attorneys general around the country, uh, including our own, um, you know, talking or um, looking at Vanguard and other large investment managers for collusion they got off the net um, net zero asset managers list um, and basically said, hey, we're stepping back because we can't determine how companies should operate. They're in a better position to determine how they should operate, right? ESG is really an attempt to push companies to operate certain ways. Um, so that's a really good thing. Then there's something called the Net Zero Insurance Alliance, the largest insurance companies ar- around the world. That is falling apart. That alliance is falling apart because of antitrust 
liability that that these insurance companies could face. Here they are all colluding together, right? And and so that that's a wrong? great yeah, that's a great sign. Another great sign is I believe this shareholder season, and this is something that I've um, been working towards, is making sure that ESG proposals are not as successful this year as they were last year. Because after last year's proxy voting season, there was enough momentum to give these shareholder activists a, a lot of encouragement to now really put on gasoline onto the fire and try and push some of these corporations and, and, and turn them left. Um, and, and so we had to stop that through the proxy vote. And, and so that's been a big focus of mine the last year. And I think we've seen an improvement there um, in corporations, just the tone and tenor in the boardrooms and, and among corporate uh, management. Suddenly they're starting to say, you know, we really can't be doing this. They're, suddenly somebody else showed up to the party instead of all the leftists. Now there's other people that are saying, no, this, is, this isn't right, right? Yeah. And so that's been a big focus of mine over the last year. I love it. That's why the shows like this are so important because, you know, some people, it's a lot to digest. It's a lot to understand. I mean, some people don't even know what ESG stands for and how it right. impacts them. Well, and, 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 and I think a lot of people think of ESG as socially responsible investing, and it's not. It's, it's very different. Socially responsible investing, you know, they think, well, investors can choose how they want to invest, right? That's absolutely true. But what we're seeing is large investment managers like BlackRock, they have said ESG risk is investment risk. Therefore, we can use all of the assets that we oversee, including those in an index fund that is not identified as an ESG fund. They only had 4.4% of their assets in ESG labeled funds or sustainable funds. Mm. But yet they are using the entire, their entire book of business, all of those assets under management, about $9 trillion to push this agenda. And wow. most people don't know it's happening. That's, wow. that's one of the biggest lies uh, in, in this whole thing is that we have now defined ESG risk to be investment risk. Therefore, we can use your investment dollars that you don't even know is being used this way to go into a company like ExxonMobil and tell them to cut oil production by 20%. Who does that affect? It infects wow. the entire marketplace, wow. whether you're in an ESG fund or not. Wow. It's wild. It's wild. It is. It, it is wild. And, what, and honestly, what a time to be alive. <laughs> That's true. And honestly, this is the most incredible time to be alive. And I just want to, you know, we're, let's wrap up here, but um, <clears throat> we're all after the same thing here. I know our, where our listeners are. We want, we want change. And you talked a lot today about bottom up. You know, the founding fathers gave us a government where the power resides with the people and with representatives that live close to them, not in D.C. And surely they would have rolled over in their graves if they knew what was going on with the World Economic Forum and the U.N. But the, but the power truly resides. And I think we're, we're in a time where people are so hungry for a president to step in and save the country. And uh, because people feel powerless right now. And I just want to read this quote, because as you're talking, this quote came to mind. Uh, I'm going to read two, actually. The antidote to, the, to abuse of formal government, which we're experiencing. So the antidote to the abuse of, of formal power in the government is the influence of private character. Is 
character of individuals. In other words, the growth of the individual. And that is, again, what this country is about is the individual. The individual matters. And then this uh, last one by uh, Butler Schaefer, he says, uh, this is the only way in which any meaningful social change can ever take place. It will either arise within each individual or it will not occur at all. Those who insist upon change coming from above as something to be imposed upon mankind by institutional authorities or presidents. I mean, how many people are like, we need Trump, we need, you know, we need, we need, you know, DeSantis. They got it wrong. Those who insist upon change coming from above us as something to be imposed upon mankind, this is what they wanted from Hitler too, uh, by institutional authorities have given up, up, they've given up on people. They've lost their confidence in the life processes that exhibit themselves only within individuals. It is now time to give people a chance to bring order to the world by bringing themselves to order. Mm. And that's it's very profound. And that's, that's very Jordan Peterson-esque, right? Mm. How do you fix the world? Clean your room. Yeah. You know, start by putting your own life in order. Yeah. And, you know, I, wanna, I just want to give a shout out here to, to Marlo Oaks uh, because I will... You know, power is a very dangerous thing. It attracts the worst and corrupts the best. And it's why I have such a, you know, a low, you know, trust level for politicians because I, I know enough to know the pressures that are on, that, uh, that you face in office, uh, from whether it's lobbyists or, or different people in office. And the reason we have someone of this character here is because he chooses to live a life of, of character and, and, and to put his life in order and to keep himself in a way that I, I can't imagine. I, I know it's, it's very, it must be very easy to give this stuff up and live, stay, run the course that's easier. It would get you more favors and give you the ability to climb the success ladder easier. So uh, this is an example of someone who just cho- has chosen to live a, a moral life and has chose to put his values and his principles ahead of power and opportunity. And I'm thankful to him. I'm thankful for his, his wife. Uh, I'm thankful, you know, and, and to our listeners, I mean, this is, this is the time of the individual. You know, we are living in the time of, 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 the, of the battle between the power of the individual and the power of the state. And the greatest power we have is regular people standing up, putting their lives in order, choosing to exhibit character, choosing to live moral lives so that they can become great men and women who can, who can stand up and save this country. Because, I mean, we allude to it. This, these are the last days. I mean, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, it's pretty obvious. We're going to win. And God will use regular people to stand up and do remarkable things. And so for those listening who say, well, what can I do? And I feel very overwhelmed. I'm going to tell you, you have no idea what you can do with God. And when you put your life in order and just simply live the best, you start aiming up. Like Jordan Peterson says, just start aiming up. That's right. And uh, anyways, this is, you know, it's been a real treat having you. Thank you, Lexia. You're always amazing. Um, But, um, you know, please, to our listeners, like, share. um, Help us get this message out because... You know, they've tried to push this truth into, you know, in, into a dark corner that says you can't look at this or this is conspiracy. This is, this is reality. This is truth. And the ba- greatest way to defeat tyranny is with the truth. So please share this. Please talk to your neighbors about it. Talk to your reps about it. I mean, we're finding out we've got some great reps who just simply sometimes don't know what's in some of these bills and aren't, aren't, don't, aren't aware. And our founding fathers intended your state reps to be the most important people in your life, not your federal reps and surely not the president. So if you don't know your state rep's name, get to know his name, get to know him, text him, be social, be, be, be kind, but get to know him because um, 
we can take the state back. And that's honestly the only thing that matters is getting Utah back. And there's plenty of, plenty of reasons to do that. So anyways, thank you guys for watching. Uh, God bless you. God bless America. And God bless Utah.